Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. Yes, And so we, uh, we don't have Matt, we have Adrienne. Let's yeah, go. McClure. Come on, Very come excited. On. Thanks y'all, thanks y'all. Good morning. Hello. Got a couple extra Fletchers in the house this morning. Welcome, fam. Good to see you. Good to see you. Welcome to day 189 of Fire Upon the Earth. Am I right? We're, we're not doing this sermon 4292. It's day 189 into 2023, and we're focusing on being a burning one every single day. Amen? Amen, Zach? You know what I'm saying, right? The days that we are practicing being fire on the earth, it's not just Wednesday or Sunday when we're here in the building. It's every single day we are alive calling Lord Jesus our Savior. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. And as we know, our focus this year has been, and will always be, to equip. But the things that we have been focusing on are Bible literacy, being in the Word, eating the whole of the scroll, digesting it so that we can apply it, yes? Being in community with Come to the Table and our crews, where we can come and express ourselves, be challenged, be encouraged, be edified, where iron comes to sharpen iron, amen? And now, we're in a season of shifting towards equipping when it comes to intercessory prayer and really the building block components of our salvation, who it is that we serve and why. When it comes to prayer specifically, I used to have this mentality when something really tragic, when something really horrendous would happen, and literally all I could do was pray. There was nothing else that I could do. I used to think that that prayer was not enough. Does that resonate with anybody? Like, I should be able to do more than just pray. And I got radically, radically educated uh, by the president of the organization that I work out for when he told us that prayer is actually the most powerful thing that we can do. Think about it. Through our salvation, prayers are a petition of the, to the creator of the universe to move, to heal, to make a way where there is no way. What could I possibly do that is more powerful than that, yeah? Yeah? He's able to do far more than I ever could hope doing. That is to say that prayer is a powerful thing, yes? And often as, as we're getting into the season, I, I think about when it comes to prayer, there's a lot to learn, but there's a lot to unlearn as well, right? And that's good. The unlearning is good. It's good to unlearn so we can, we can learn rightly. When I was raised as a Catholic, I associated prayer with, I prayed when I missed the mark and I sinned. That's, that's when I prayed. That's the only time that I prayed, right? I would go to a priest and I would confess and he would say, say three Our Fathers and five Hail Marys and your sins will be forgiven, seven no more, right? So I made that association of prayer was something that I did only when I messed up. The reality is, is that prayer is 
To pray without ceasing, it's a continuous conversation. It's a relationship with God Most High. Amen? We are going to be coming out of the book of Hebrews this morning. So if you want to open up to Hebrews or scroll to Hebrews or whatever you got going on. The heart of this book, of the book of Hebrews, is an expository on, which is a comprehensive description or explanation on why Jesus is the ultimate high priest and king. And, it, and that in accepting him, we must do our best to guard our faith and not turn back. Through prayer and worship, we come to have a relationship with the God of the universe. A relationship alone, we learn who he is. And by learning who he is, we learn who we are. Amen? And that's very important for us right now and always has been, but especially right now when we have generations in crisis, identity crisis. Is that resonating with anybody? There are people who do not know who they are. And they will change who they are day to day because they have no relationship at all with the one who created them. The world is getting louder about things like homosexuality, abortion, gender reassignment, child indoctrination, and the literal lies of the enemy are being preached as gospel on the main stage of our culture. And you will look stranger and stranger and stranger by the day when you refuse to comply to that garbage. Yeah? And to be honest, it might become harder and harder and harder for you to be true to your faith in Jesus Christ, unless you know who he is, and by knowing who he is, you know who you are which is set apart, sanctified, different from the rest of the world, yeah? That's why we go so hard at takeover. That's why we worship our faces off. That's why we fight for each other. We speak loud and uncomfortable truth out of a desire to become unafraid, unapologetic, and more like Christ than ever before. Never in the Bible once will you ever hear Christ apologize for his faith. Never once will you, see him be will you see him be apologetic for the standards set by his father, set by God. Have you ever felt the pressure of believing what you do and instead of saying so, wanting to conform to fit in? Anybody? I felt that pressure. <laughs> I felt that pressure. I felt the emotional and mental pressure of wanting to fit in. Fit, fit in rather than being the odd man out in a room because I believe what I believe is diametrically opposed to what everybody else in the room is believing. Diametrically opposed, two extremes, one end and the other. I have felt that pressure. But the further I go with Jesus, the more zeal that I have for my father's house, the more time I spend in community with you, you catching fire, me catching fire, and that going around and being a burning one, the less any of that stuff and me wanting to fit in and me needing to conform matters. The less I feel that, 
the less I care. Amen? I cannot be afraid to ask people who are strangers if they need prayer. I can't be afraid. I cannot be afraid to say that I don't celebrate Pride Month and that I'm not going to put my pronouns on any of my profiles, work or otherwise. I cannot be afraid of that. I cannot be afraid to say that abortion is wrong. And that's just to the world, right? As your sister in Christ, I cannot watch you burning down your life and not challenge you on it. Amen? amen. Can I get an amen? amen? All right, I'm going to remember who said amen. <laughs> I cannot tell you that you can't not pray for yourself and then come here and expect somebody to pray for you. You've got to be praying for yourself. You've got to be petitioning God. You can't just come here and expect somebody else to, to do that. We can, but what good is it? We can't believe for you. I cannot have a relationship with God and somehow like transactionally like get you in on that too. It's not that family discount that we like to like share around when we work for Meyer or Rite Aid or whatever, yeah? It just doesn't work that way. I cannot tell you, I cannot not tell you that you're going to miss out on a huge part of your spiritual growth because you have no self-control and you'd rather sleep in or go to the beach or watch online than come into the house of God corporately. This is different. Gathering corporately is different than doing the stuff at home that we are called to do. Amen? If the choice we have made for our salvation is Jesus Christ alone, then the ship we rode in on to come to this new and mind-blowing land of salvation needs to burn. So that's the title of my message this morning. Fire upon the earth, burn the ships. When Hernan Cortez came to the Americas, not a great guy, guys, okay? Just not a great guy. But he came here in, in 1519. He set fire to the ships that he came in on. In front of all of his men, he burned the boats. And he did that so not a single one of them would be tempted to try to go back. Because he knew it was going to be hard. He knew that what he was doing here was going to be a challenge and they would want it to be an out so that they could return home. Yeah? What does that mean to burn the ships? It means that there's no plan B. There's no changing our minds. There's no going back. Amen? Amen? If we'd started on this journey with Christ, no matter how many times we mess up or how badly, there is no ship that's going to take us back to where we were before we knew Christ. We're going to burn it because we're not going back, right? In Hebrews 3.12, you can turn there. There's no graceful way to like drink water when you're on stage, guys. I'm going to turn around. There we go. All right. Verse 12 says, Take care, brothers, 
Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. We've come to a new land of salvation, a promised land. We must pay close attention to all we have heard, lest we drift away. Well, it's really hard to drift away if you've burned the ship that you came in on, yeah? Yeah? The top concern of this passage is that we must not have an evil, unbelieving heart. An unbelieving heart is one where, Pastor Evan has talked very much about how our heart is like a house, it's a home where we have to keep all the rooms clean and the one who lives there is the Holy Spirit, right? So in that heart, in your heart, there's a door. And above that door, it says, Jesus! Because that's the guy who lives there, right? But if we do not burn our ships, it says, Jesus! And? An and leaves room for another lover. An and leaves room for an idol. You know the lovers, the idols that we talk about. We have got to talk about that. The Jesus and. It needs to be Jesus and Jesus alone over the heart of your door. Amen? Over the door of your heart. That's what I meant. You guys amened anyways. You knew what I was saying. Anything... That and is anything that we use that we think will fulfill the rest of us, will complete the rest of us when we think that Jesus is not enough. Did you hear that? The and is anything that we use to try to fulfill our hearts because we believe in an unbelieving heart, he's not enough to fulfill us. Yeah? That's what unbelief looks like thinking that we need Jesus and when all we need is him and his fullness, his totality, just Jesus. Say it with me. Just Jesus. What does the Jesus and equation look like? Well, Jesus and the porn that I watch because my sex drive is out of control and I need to feed this fire inside of my body What's really out of alignment within myself is that I have no self-control. I need to watch other people having sexual intercourse to feed, to complete something that I'm not trusting Jesus to feed and complete. Yes? It's an unbelieving heart that says Jesus is not enough. He can't change me. He can't heal me. He certainly cannot fulfill me. That is unbelief. Jesus and the marijuana that I smoke before I go to bed so that I can chill my mind out enough to numb the anxiety that I have in my life so I can fall asleep. What am I not fully giving over to Christ? Why am I suffering with crippling anxiety? In what areas am I not trusting him to provide? It's an unbelieving heart 
that says Jesus is not powerful enough, not in love with me enough, not good enough to take care of my every need in my workplace, in my family, in my finances, in my health. Jesus and my Christian woke ideologies that I know more about justice, freedom, equality than the guy who went and died on a cross so that we could all be made equal, yes? I'm the one who's going to take it out of context. I'm the one who has the answers. What I'm saying is that I know better than God. My justice, my virtue, my goodness, my mercy is greater than his. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's out there and it looks like Jesus, but it's twisted. Am I right? It's an unbelieving heart that says the Bible is an archaic book whose statutes don't apply to the brokenness in America in 2023. And that I know better than God who created all of us what it's going to take to fix that. It's Jesus and only Jesus. Everybody rendering their hearts fully and completely over to him. Killing racism, killing injustice. That's what will heal our land. Amen? I say, yeah, right, to all of that stuff. All of that, all of that self-reliant, self-serving, puffed up wisdom, that can go to hell. You hear me, people? An unbelieving heart, unbelief, that can go to hell. That's where it belongs. If we struggle with fear and anxiety, unbelief, and the and of adding anything to Jesus that comforts our flesh, can we really truly call ourselves believers? Think about it. What are we believing in? What are we believing in? Certainly not Jesus, who is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, who upholds the universe by the word of his power, upholds the universe, y'all, by the word of his power. What is the power of sickness compared to the upholding of the universe? What is the power of anxiety for my family being provided for in comparison to the stringing together of the galaxy? What is the power of your uncontrollable sex drive in comparison to the suspension and ongoing movement of the cosmos? You've heard it here before, and I'm sure you'll hear it again. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. It's a shadow man that we've been worshiping. It's a half Jesus. It's a half life Jesus that we've familiarized ourselves with. And when I'm teaching this, this is directly to my own heart. Because sometimes we have things that come in and they add an and, and we don't even recognize it when they do. Yeah? But there's hope. Repent. Repent of your unbelief and burn the ship that it came in on. Amen? Do you hear me, people? Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor to our soul, 
a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Our buoyant souls are so eager to float wherever the wind of fear and lies and discouragement blow. But you have a sure and steadfast anchor in Jesus. Amen? Jesus has gone before you in your marriage, in your workplace, in the world you are so afraid to suffer at the hands at. Jesus goes before you. He holds you in his righteous right hand and he pleads with you to see him rightly. In his full, fullness, endless. In his fullness, endless. Yes? I'm sure at this moment, the Holy Spirit is, is moving in the room and it feels uncomfortable. Am I right? Yeah. He's putting some fingers on some stuff and calling us out and it doesn't feel good. And I want to tell you right now, lean into it. If it's shame that you're feeling, that's not from God. If it's conviction that you're feeling, that is from the Holy Spirit alive and at work and pruning and cutting and pulling away. He wants you to be free. Don't lean away from that. Lean into it. Do you hear me, people? I am pleading with you to not waste the moment but to recognize what it is and in your heart to begin to repent. Don't see whatever it is and just leave it there. Don't leave this place with a backup plan. It will never serve you. You will serve it. And if something is coming to your mind that you just don't know how to deal with it on your own, just write it down and we're going to open the altar up after service, and we're going to meet with you, okay? You do not have to do this thing alone. And I'll be the first one to admit that I have my own ships. I have things that get in there that I don't even recognize, right? That I need to burn. One of them very recently was a belief that I would not be a complete woman if I can't have a child, and that belief had poisoned my heart, though it was really hard for me to recognize because I can celebrate and smile at all of the moms and all of the babies, which I love like they are my own. But it was in there, it was a sliver. There was a ship that was on the shore that needed to burn because it's not the truth. That's not what Jesus says about me. It's not what he says about you. And we got to cut it out, y'all. We got to burn that ship. And I did. And you can too. And the freedom that comes on the other side of burning that ship, it changes you. You're not the same person that you were before. So right now, as those things are coming to your heart and your mind, don't just push it down. Let it come. Let it work its way to the surface and then excise that bad boy. Yeah? Burn that ship. Burn the thing that's holding you back. That anchor in your soul that is anything other than just Jesus. And anchored into something other than hope and assurance in him being for you and not against you. His way, not your way. His wisdom, not your wisdom.
in God making Jesus our king and high priest, doing away with the old and making everything new. God put everything in subjection to him, everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ. There is nothing outside of his control. There are no ands required for you to function in this life. Kick the ands to the curb. There's no ships moored, waiting as a backup plan. Yes? Jesus and Jesus alone. So, yeah, well, I've prayed a lot of prayers and uh, not all of them have gotten answered. Why is that? Great question. I have an answer for you. Hebrews 5, 7. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears to him, God, who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. It says right there, Jesus prayed too with tears and loud cries that he might be spared the death that was before him. He cried out to God and it doesn't say God didn't hear him. It doesn't say God ignored him. It doesn't say God wasn't listening on that particular evening when Jesus was in the garden. It says he was heard and even still he learned as we learn through suffering, obedience. Even Jesus prayed a prayer that was not answered in the way he wanted it to be. I think that's kind of revelatory for some of us. <laughs> Jesus prayed a prayer that was not answered the way that he wanted it to be. Does that debunk our faith? Does that mean God is a liar? No, it doesn't. It shows that even amid prayers that seem unanswered to us, God is still moving. He's still at work. He has a purpose and a plan, and we're called to trust him. What if Christ's prayers had been answered? What if God had answered them in the way that Jesus had asked him to move? He would have been pardoned from taking on all of our sin and the sin of the world. He wouldn't have been spit on, mocked, insulted, socially shamed, emotionally brutalized, betrayed. He wouldn't have been beaten and torn and traumatized and scourged to a point where he barely looked like he was a human being anymore. He would not have died on a cross, crying out with his last breath, God forgive them, they know not what they do. He could have sidestepped all of that with that answered prayer. He could have sidestepped all of that. And in doing so, cost every single one of us our salvation in Christ. And our relationship with the one true God. We would have missed out on worshiping the living God amid his beauty and glory for all 
of the rest of our eternal lives. We would have missed out on no more pain, no more death, no more sickness, no more tears. We would have missed out on that if that prayer had been answered in the way that Jesus had asked it to be. His answered prayers would have left the curtain in the temple untorn. The curtain that symbolically separates earth and heaven would have remained. Us on one side and God on the other side. Things would have stayed just as they were. A broken down covenant in a disgraced temple covered in the stinking blood of animals that could never ever hope to rectify and sin and save us from ourselves. In Hebrews 8, 7, it says, For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. If the first covenant with Moses had not been a complete failure, not on God's part, that's on us, there would have not have been any need for a second covenant that came only through the blood of Jesus Christ and his spent body shredded on a cross for you and for me. Sometimes we don't see our prayers answered in the way that we want to see them answered. Are they answered? Yes, they are. Sometimes that answer is no. Sometimes the answer to our prayers is no. We, all, we feel really good about that, don't we? <laughs> you guys alive? You okay? I know this is intense. It's like a roller coaster. Just hang in there, baby. Okay? The true hope is that with prayer and petition and the growing up in our salvation, y'all, and the developing of a robust faith, we see our hearts align completely with God's and his will become our will. And regardless of the suffering, we praise God for the no's in the same way that we praise God for the yes. In reality, the no's are just as good as a yes, guys. Doesn't feel like it. We become grateful for the no's and we have the fortitude to press on for the yeses. Amen? Because we trust him and we're called to obey him amid suffering and by doing so, we bring glory to God and we are dramatically changed ourselves. We've burned the ships and we're walking into the promised land, worshiping a God that is so good, so pure, so holy. We know that no matter what we suffer here, we can suffer well and we can worship him rightly. Ultimately, as you know, as I like to say, this meat suit, this space suit that we're in will wear out. It's not gonna last forever, okay? We are here for a short time and soon, very soon, we will get to go and we will get to be with God forever. Can I get a little excitement in the room? Come on, y'all. All of our suffering, all of our sickness, all of our illness, all of our pain will be over. And we will barely recognize the people that we once were in the people that we become by that time. 
pruned, holy, made righteous, and whole. No ship is worth keeping in comparison to that. No other lover, no idol, no other anchor for our soul, just Jesus. Say it again with me. Just Jesus. If you want to turn to Hebrews 10, 21, and leave your Bible open there, this is what it says. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day's drawing near, guys. If you don't know that, or you can't sense it, which I'm sure all of you can, the day is coming. The final day when Jesus returns. And until that day, the world is going to keep turning and burning at a fever pitch. My favorite description is a dumpster fire rolling down a hill into a firework factory. That's what we're looking at, guys. That's the trajectory, all right? We've got to hold fast to the anchor of our soul, Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that's going to give us the hope, the determination, the courage, and the self-control to cut the things out of our lives that are the ships that we don't need anymore. We must cast off an unbelieving heart, and we must full-heartedly enter the throne room of God, see him rightly, worship him rightly, and in doing so, see ourselves rightly to be encouraged, to be of good faith, a part of the body where iron sharpens iron. This is what it's all about. Keeping that scripture open in front of you, let's compare that specific scripture to a couple of the ones that we've already gone over in this message. We're going to throw it up on the screen here so you guys can see it. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brothers lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. In Hebrews 10, which we just read, 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So we can easily see the difference between an unbelieving heart and a true heart that is full of the assurance of faith sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. One causes you to fall away and the other causes you to draw near. We must get rid of an unbelieving heart and fill it with faith, a robust faith that is beautiful and has a smell that God just adores. When we worship and we praise him from a heart 
that is pure and washed clean and fully truthing, given over to him, Jesus over the door, no ands in sight. That is a fragrance that blesses our God. Who wants to bless our God? When we praise and we worship him from that stance, that blesses our God. When we live with the purity of mind and heart and conscience, being the hands and feet of Christ here on earth, the way we live blesses God. When we seek him in prayer with a heart full of assurance of who he is and his goodness, when we seek him in prayer daily, when we pray without ceasing, when we're in constant communication with him, that blesses God. And all of those things that bless God, they will bless you too. Yeah? Draw near to God, not away from God. This shows us that we must constantly be cleansing our hearts with confession and repentance and renewing our minds to the minds of Christ. When I was, when I was getting ready to prepare this message, yesterday morning, I almost changed it, like almost just like in the morning. I was praying and I was like, man, I really feel like we need to talk about confession and repentance. Because on Wednesday, if y'all missed it, we talked about confession and repentance. Yeah? Making confession and repentance great again. That's what we need to do. We all have like this icky feeling when we talk about confession and repentance. We're like, ugh, I don't want to do that. I don't want anybody to see my junk. Nobody wants that, right? But that's called who, that is who we are called to be. Cleansing means that you see the dirt. The dirt isn't hidden. To give it a good scrub, you got to know that it's there. You got to expose it for what it is. Confession is doing that. We can confess to God as the day is long. That is powerful. That needs to happen. But when we confess to a brother or sister in Christ that we trust, and they can come alongside us and they can pray, and they can encourage us, and they can say, yeah, Jesus has more for you. Don't do that again. Repent means turning away from that thing. It means turning your back on that thing. Confession, repentance, freedom. Sign me up. Amen? The next slide we're going to throw up is Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. Hebrews, nope, not that one. There we go, there we go. Hebrews 6.19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. That's Jesus. Hebrews 10.23, which your Bible is open to right now. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Sure and steadfast anchor of our soul and holding fast to the confession of our hope, which is Jesus. This reiterates that as we're holding fast to Jesus, he's holding fast to us. The anchor of our soul is Jesus. He's hanging on to us. He's not going to let us go anywhere. 
We are the only ones who can step outside of what he's calling us to do. We're the only ones who can step outside of his goodness. We're the only ones who can add an and to that door frame where it needs to say Jesus, Jesus alone. Amen? We can anchor ourselves to so many things in this world that are not Jesus. We can anchor ourselves to a medical diagnosis that was spoken over us. And we can claim that as our identity, or we can claim that by his stripes, we have been healed. Amen? We can claim that this is just how I am, this is how I'm always going to be for the rest of my days, or we can claim that I'm being perfected by my faith in Jesus Christ. I'm growing up in my salvation. I'm being changed, cut, cultivated, pruned, cleaned, made whole in Jesus' mighty name. The last bit of scripture here says Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 10. One more slide, one more slide. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but not a takeover, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Exhort one another. Exhort meaning to strongly encourage. That's what we do at takeover. Encourage Strongly. Sometimes that's what it feels like. The Holy Spirit just grabs you, shakes you around a little bit. Strongly encourage. We are called to strongly urge one another on, exhorting each other. Not beating up, not beating down, but strongly incite one another to holiness. Does this look like accountability? Yes. It does. It does look like being challenged by a brother or sister in Christ and choosing to respond with humility and teachability to grow up in your salvation. Is encouragement necessary? Well, geez, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah? God knows I need encouragement to keep on going, seeing your beautiful faces, coming here, being with my family. I need that or else I'm just gonna quit. We have to urge one another on, exhorting one another, allowing the priestly body to come around you and encourage you, and yes, challenge you. It is right, it is good. Say it with me, it is good. Why is it called out there so many times? Because it's easy to isolate. Because Jesus understands it is more comfortable for us to pull away than have somebody up in our business and challenging us. Amen, Michael? Amen. <laughs> that is what people need to be comfortable with. We've got to be comfortable with that. We are challenged to go deeper. We are challenged to be holy. Blessed are those who open up to accountability and growth. Blessed, holy, and in right standing, you shall find yourself. Amen? There is no blessing. There is no blessing 
for those who pull away after being asked why they're sleeping with their boyfriend. There's no blessing for you. There's no blessing for me. There's no blessing for those who pull away and hide for being challenged when they are gossiping. There's no blessing for those who pull away and hide when they are simply asked about how their relationship with God is going. There's no blessing for that. And I will say, wishing that this was the last time that I had to say it, but knowing that I'll have to say it many, many times. We are not called, we are not built. We are not to do this life alone. Amen? We all know those people who do life alone, they get weird. <laughs> Just saying. Doing life alone is not what God has for you. It does mean opening up and trusting. It does mean letting people in. Yeah? Isolate, you go into weird status. The Unabomber is like in that category, okay? He got real weird. There was nobody to challenge him. I'm just saying it's an extreme, but we're going there. We must allow iron to sharpen iron, our personal feelings to be checked against biblical truth. Emotionalism needs to die. And I'm at the top of that list when it comes to emotionalism, y'all. I'm Polish. I'm German. I'm Dutch. I'm Scottish. I'm all these things. And it's like all of the things are like the emotional like funnel for like having the most out of control emotions. That's like it. Heinz 57 right here. Emotionalism must die at the feet of Jesus Christ. Burn the boat of isolation. Of living in your feelings, of always thinking of yourself and never anybody else. And sometimes even lashing out at the people who are getting down in the mud and the mire with you. Which first and foremost, that's Jesus. He's going to be the first one to get down in the muck with you. The first one to help you start fighting your battles. That's Jesus. Exhorting is what takeover does. We strongly urge our people to flee from sin continually conditioning themselves in the way of holiness to read the word, to pray, and to live a life led by the Holy Spirit. Do you hear me, people? You will be challenged here. If you don't like that, you, there's the door. You will be challenged here, okay? And that's everybody. That's everybody. We will be challenged here. You will also be loved here. You'll be cleaned here. You'll be seen here. You'll be sheltered here, protected here. We will fight for you. We will encourage you. We will exhort you to go on and to be your holiest self in the name of Jesus. You will be challenged here as well. And that's not wrong. That's not wrong. That's right. If, that, if we weren't going to challenge you, there would be a rainbow flag in that foyer right there. There'd be a rainbow flag out there. And all of you would be wearing masks. And we would be six feet apart. And we still probably wouldn't be open and having church right now. 
if we were that kind of church that wasn't going to challenge, standing on the word of God, nothing added to it and nothing taken away. We'd use words like traditional marriage. Like that's not the only type of marriage that God actually blesses. We would use that like it's some type of archaic term and it needs to be replaced with terms like de facto union, common law marriage, premarital cohabitation, same-sex domestic partnership. That's not us, guys. We wouldn't have a porn-free group because we wouldn't believe that we can be cured from rampant sexuality. We just tell you to get married. Boom. That'll fix it. Which in case you don't know, <laughs> that's a bunch of baloney. We have people in this church who are willing to go step by step together into freedom. You can trust this church to preach the word of God. Like I said, nothing added to it and nothing taken away. And you should be proud of that, guys. Can I get an amen? Hebrews goes on to mention some of the giants of our faith who prayed really powerful prayers. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, all people after God's own heart. In Hebrews eleven thirteen, it says this, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. This isn't it. If they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. It says that these faith giants didn't, get what, didn't receive what they had been promised, right? It's not talking about Noah not saving his family, because clearly he did. Yeah? It's not talking about Abraham not having a son and becoming a father to many nations, yes? What it is talking about is that they lived under the Old Testament and they did not get to experience the relationship with Jesus Christ that we do under the new, under the new covenant. I said Old Testament, I meant Old Covenant. Old Covenant, New Covenant. They didn't get to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what they didn't receive, but we do, amen? For them to recognize that they were strangers here on earth and exiles of heaven, they were believing in faith, and as we are, that through Jesus Christ, we will return there. We are seeking a great homeland, and by becoming Christians, we enter into a place of being half in and half out. Within the world and without the world. That is how we live we live a mortal life, a mortal physical life here on earth, as well as an eternal spiritual life that is already projecting into heaven every time we pray and we worship and we pierce the veil. Amen? You're living a physical mortal life, but your spirit self is projecting into heaven already. Within, without, halvesies. We don't belong here. This is not our homeland. We, unlike non-believers, recognize that this is not it. 
It's not just lights out and nothing. This life right here, it's available to us for a breath. And the eternal life that we live after this is available to both non-believers and believers. The difference is where we spend the rest of that eternal life. Believers will spend it in perfection and worshipful ecstasy of the one true God. And non-believers, and this should grieve your heart, will spend their eternity in hellish torment, in deep, unending sorrow. And that's on us to carry this fire out there and to proclaim the goodness of God to those who do not yet know him. Can I get an amen? And as we make our choice to choose Christ, we must be steadfast in that decision. Hebrews 11.5 says, if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had an opportunity to return. And if we come to this new land of salvation and we do not burn the ship that brought us in here, we will be tempted to use that ship to go back back into sin, back into ignorance, back into being our own gods. Do you hear me, people? But as it is, we, we desire a better country, a heavenly one. God is not ashamed to call us his children, and we should not be ashamed to call him our God. And you may struggle as you grow with this thing in particular, and that's okay. You're growing. You may struggle to have the courage to always know what to say. But as you grow and you strengthen, and the enemy who seeks to ensnare you gets turned away again and again and again, and you commit yourself to the Lord, you will tell the devil to go to hell with your voice. And the way you live will be louder than anything you could ever say. The things you allow and the things you do not allow, they will speak louder than any word you could ever say, guys. To an unbelieving, lost, and dying world, the way that you live will speak to them. If we can have the worship team up here and a couple of the leaders that I asked to come up, I want everybody to be encouraged. I know that we're probably feeling discomfort. I know that we're probably feeling like that was intense. That's what the Holy Spirit had for y'all and had for me. The Holy Spirit is moving in this place. He's putting his fingers on some things and you are wrestling. And if you have been wrestling, I'm gonna just tell you again to lean into that, yeah? If you will all stand, and if you could just close your eyes, I want us as much as we can to just forget that anybody else is here, yeah? Just close your eyes, and as you pray for what the Holy Spirit is showing you, what he's bringing up to the surface, I want you to let him do that. I want you to let him lead you into a place of repentance. I want you to 
let him show you what you need to let go of. Don't fight it, don't resist. Let it come to the surface of your mind, to the surface of your heart. I'm not calling you to be afraid. I'm not calling you to be fearful. I'm calling you out of an unbelieving heart that you need anything other than Jesus Christ this morning. We're gonna open up the altar. And I wanna encourage you that if that's you, please yield to this. Don't leave this place burdened and still enslaved because I know a lot of your lives very, very closely. And this is for every single person in this room, whether they are a new believer or a seasoned saint. If the Lord is putting something on your heart, this altar is open for you to come forward. You can kneel, you can lay on your face, you can pray quietly, you can weep, whatever it is, I'm imploring you to come before God Almighty and burn those ships. If it's something physical, bring it up to the altar and leave it here. If it is something spiritual and you don't know that you can get it off on your own, we have leaders here who can pray with you for deliverance and for freedom in Jesus' name. And if you have a relationship with Jesus and you guys are like, you are tight, and there's no ships, there's no ships on your shore. There's no other anchors to your soul besides Jesus. I want you to take this next song and I want you to praise his holy name with that heart that is full of the assurance of your faith that he is good and he is for you and he loves you and he's moving and it's his way that's better than your way and that you are decreasing so that he might increase. Come on, can I get an amen? New believer, seasoned saint, this call is for everyone. It can have been in your life for 50 years. It could have been something you picked up two months ago. This morning, he's calling you to torch that ship. Let it go, pull it off, remove it, cut it away, walk in freedom. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for your presence here today. Thank you for the word that enriches our lives, challenges us. Thank you for Takeover Church. Thank you for other churches like Takeover that are carrying the torch and the fire of your truth and your freedom that will not bow to this age, that will not break under the sin and the yoke of the evil one. We march on, we march forward as peacemakers. In Jesus' mighty name, Holy Spirit, come. Move amid your people. We
burn those ships in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen.